Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you this morning that you have given us your word. You said, Lord, that it was the entrance of your word that gives light. And so, Father, that's what we're after. That's what we're looking for. That's what we seek is enlightenment. Again, Lord, just as Paul prayed in Ephesians, we were praying this morning that the eyes of our understanding would be opened, our eyes of, that we would be enlightened today by your word. And so with that in mind, Lord, we honor you. This is your word. You're the one that's going to speak this morning, not me. And so we thank you, praise you, give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I guess earlier this, probably earlier this summer, I was praying, and one morning, and in, in the and Holy Spirit spoke to me, and He said, "I want you to start moving in a more of a kingdom-based attitude, a kingdom-based thinking, a kingdom-based way of serving me." So I got all excited. I was like, "Wow." This is going to be cool. And so I said, you bet, Lord. Let's do this. Let's go. Let's go. Where do you want me to start? Where, does it, where do I start? Where, where? And then when he took me to where he wanted me to start, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. And so we're going we're gonna to kind of base everything off of that. Uh, kind of the title that I that, I chose for this the teaching this month is a more excellent way. And so <clears throat> in asking the Lord, where do I start with this new kingdom thinking, this new kingdom mindset, this new kingdom way of doing things? He took me someplace I thought he would, I'd, I'd never even imagined that he would take me. He took me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And as I was reading, uh, back in the late 1800s, a man named Charles Sheldon wrote a book. And the book was called In His Steps. I don't know if you've ever read it. But it's a, it's a book of fiction. It's a fictional book. But it's based on uh, a church and a pastor. And it's a very affluent church, very affluent in the city. The who's who of the city attended this church. And so it was very, and one morning, um, a tramp, a bum walks into the church and he sits down. And it begins to talk about, and you can, you can imagine the reaction he got. And the pastor was all nervous about this guy being there. Well, in the middle of the service, the guy gets up, and he starts talking, and he starts walking toward the front of the church. And he's talking to the church about how he was accepted and how they didn't know what he had gone through and what had happened in his life, but yet they judged him by how he looked. So the guy gets to the front of the church, and he collapses. And so, you know... <laughs> Yeah, a very affluent church. You can imagine this was just, you know, threw everybody into a fluster. They didn't know what to do. 
They ended up taking the guy to, to the pastor's house. And the next day, the guy dies in the pastor's house. And it really gets to this pastor. I mean, it really gets to him. And he's thinking all week about this and how the man was accepted. And so the next Sunday, he got up in his church, and he was, he was talking to his church. And he challenged his church. He said, for one year, I'm going to challenge you to join me. And for one year, I am going to choose to do nothing. Everything I do, everything I speak, everything I think, I will not put into action until I first ask myself this question, what would Jesus do? And so there were like four people in this church, uh, uh, the, the paper editor, a young lady, an affluent older lady in the church and young man. There are just four of them out of the whole church that go on this journey. And, and the book is about this journey. And so I just kind of, I want to kind of base everything on, 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 a, on the scripture in First Peter 2.21. It's a really simple scripture. But if you really look at it, it's, it's one that, that takes much contemplation on. And it says this in, in 1 Corinthians, or I'm sorry, 1, or 1 Peter 2.21. For to this were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Now that's pretty simple sounding, isn't it? Christ left us an example. Jesus left us an example that we could follow in his steps. And so really, if you want to break it down to the the very basics, that's what our whole Christian, that's the whole reason that we're here, is to follow the example of Christ. And I think Pastor Abe said it last week, if it was just to get us to heaven, then the moment we got saved, we'd die. If that was the whole purpose of, getting, uh, of saving us, was just to get us to heaven, why not? Why put us through all Why not just take us home? Mission accomplished. And so I th- as I thought about this, and I, and I went over into 1 Corinthians, I... I, I uh, I took Mike's advice, and I did some gleaning. And, you know, I was, I was amazed at how many times in the last year of the teaching, people have kicked this can down the road about love. And I just wrote down a few of them that I, that, that I, did, I, I wrote in my notes, and I found in my notes. Back in, in January, Miss Heidi said, love is supernatural fruit developed in you. The same love in me that's in Christ. Mike said in January, he said, God is looking for someone to express himself through love. And in, in February, Pastor Sean said this. He said, the love of God is his identity being made known to us. In March, Doug Jones said this. He said, God touches you with his love when you put on humility. I like that one. Um, God, what hit me right here? In May, 
Pastor Sean again said, God handles discipline with love. Discipline is a manifestation of love. Again, in May, Mike said, a loving action is a disciplined result. Authority is the character of love. Now, you really stop and you, th- you think about that statement. Authority is the character of love. Um, it'll take you someplace where, where you need to go. In June, Sean, uh, Pastor Sean said, again, genuine love will always cost you something. That's it's something I think we, I, you know what I'm finding out about this area of love is we all, we all got it right here. And we got it down here. We could tell you what love is. But a lot of us hadn't made, we haven't made the connection yet. And I include myself in this. I haven't made the connection from here all the way to here yet. In July, Rick said manifesting, just last month in his teaching, Rick said manifesting the love of God is the door that leads to fullness. Love is the catalyst that ignites the power in us. So as I start looking at this thing of love, and I start letting the Lord really, really, really speak to me about this, and when, I, when he said, this is where you're going to start your kingdom mindset, this is where the kingdom attitude starts, is right here. And I, I, I'm kind of feeling that, and maybe you're feeling it too, that here is, is a church body, we've kind, of, we've kind of hit a certain level. And we've kind of leveled off. And now God's saying, it's, all right, it's time. It's time to go to the next step. And, and kind of how he showed this to me was uh, like climbing a mountain. When you're climbing a mountain, and you get to a certain place where you kind of level off. And from where you're looking at, it looks like this is, this is it. This is where I need to be. Until you look a little farther and you can see, well, maybe there's a little more to go there. And so you start climbing again and you get to another ledge, another level. And you think, finally, I made it to the top. And see, it, but in, in looking back and standing back to someone who's maybe looked on the ground watching you, they can see that you've got several more levels to go before you hit the top of the mountain. And so, for, for us as a body, I honestly, in my spirit, Holy Spirit was speaking to me and said, the next level that we go to is going to be achieved and we're going to get there by increasing our level of love. Might as, well, might as well do this because it's the truth. And so I started looking at this, and I, I have to be really honest with you. After reading the first verse of 1 Corinthians 13, I really had to stop and take stock. And I thought, I don't know if I want to keep reading. I, I honestly, I was being serious. I don't know if I want to keep reading this. You know, because what I understand, and I'm starting to understand something about Revelation. 
Revelation doesn't come to us just so we can have some good talking points. Revelation doesn't come to us just so that we can, we can have something that we can talk about or boast in even. In, 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 I know none of you would do that, but there's times I struggle with that. Revelation is not, doesn't come just to, to give us some kind of spiritual buzz. I'm finding out, and this is just is how I'm finding out. When God begins to reveal scripture to me, I can pretty much count on the fact that there's correction coming. I can pretty much count on the fact that God's bringing correction to me. Now, you know, when we start thinking about correction, we get all, all stupid thinking about it. And, and, and we, we, we tend to think about how, you know, how we were corrected when we were kids. And that's how, we, that's how we look at God's correction, the Father's correction toward that, toward us. When it's not like that at all. I had this thing in my car called a GPS. That GPS has some main features that it's supposed to do for me. Number one, it's supposed to show me where I'm at. Number two, it's supposed to show me where I'm going. Number three, it's supposed to show me how to get there. Now, when I had that GPS on, and I'm going, and it's telling me, this is where you're at, this is where you need to go, this is how you get there. And it'll come on in that, in that sweet little voice and say, at the traffic light, next traffic light, take a right. Now, sometimes I get distracted, and I don't take the next right. Or I don't see the next traffic light. I'm looking beyond that. Now, when I, that GPS, when I do that, that GPS doesn't say, hey, you idiot. What are you doing? I told you to turn right. At, now, that may come from somewhere else in the car. I know none of you other men have you none of you other men deal with that. That might come from somewhere else in the rig and echo from somewhere. I had to say that. But no, what does it do? It tells you in a very calm manner, at the next chance, make a U-turn. And it just tells you very plainly, turn around, go back. And get back on the right path. That's the way the Lord's correction is with us. It was, it's not slapping us upside the head and telling us what, a, what an idiot we are. But the Holy Spirit simply is saying, you got to make a correction here. you got to make a turn here. You missed it. But we're going to get back. You're going to do this, and it's going to get you back where you need to go. So when I started looking at this, I, I really... I honestly, I, I really had to say, wow, do I really, do I really, 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 really want to keep going with this? Because I understood, and I understand that once I get revelation, I'm accountable for that revelation. I'm accountable for what I let that revelation do. I'm accountable for how that revelation affects me. 
That's why God gives us revelation, folks. That's why God reveals his word to us. It's because he's, he's correcting us, and he's taking us back and getting us on track to something that we need to get us where we need to go. That's all it is. That's all God's doing. He's not pounding us into the ground. He's keeping us on track. He's keeping us on the mark. Getting us where we need to go. Now, as a church, we've decided we we got a certain place we want to go. We want to be a place where the manifest presence of God is evident no matter what. We, we want to get to a place where when people drive by this road out here, the power of God is so strong that it draws them in here. But guess what? You don't get there by just wishing it. You don't get it by just praying it. There are steps that you have to go to to get there. There are things that you have levels you have to get to to get there. And that, that's kind of where we're at right now. We're transitioning. And, you know, I could be wrong. But we're, I, in my own spirit, I can just feel that transitioning period. There's a transitional period here where you're kind of wondering, well, I wonder what God's going to do. I wonder what God's up to. I wonder where God's, what's, what's next. And that always, that always comes that there's always that transitional period between God moving where, where it's like that. So with all of that in mind, I started reading. And honestly, if you really look into this, I always, until I really studied it out and I really looked into it, I always thought, why in the world did Paul put this 13th chapter where he did? But if you go back and you read, because in verse 12, he's doing what? And Pastor Sean spent a great deal of time us going over the gifts of the Spirit, what they are. And that's what Paul's doing in 1 Corinthians 12. He's telling them about these are the gifts. He spends chapter 14 telling them this is how you use them. This is how they should be working. And all of a sudden, in between... Paul throws this. But if you really look at the last verse of, of, chapter, of chapter 12, he says this, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Earnestly desire the best gifts. Now that word earnestly, it actually comes, it's, it's the Greek word zealous. It's where we get the word zeal. It's also where we get the word envy. It's the same word for envy. So what's he saying? He basically, and it means this, to properly, to bubble over from getting so hot, to figuratively burn with zeal or intensity to be fervent. The idea is to be deeply committed to something with the implication of accompanying desire. To be earnest, to set one's heart on, to be completely intent on. So Paul, in talking about the gifts of the Spirit, he said, you'd be zealous to get these things. You'd be intent on having them. You really work at letting these things work in your lives. He was telling the, the Corinthian church this. 
And, and you've, heard, you've heard others, you heard Pastor Sean mention it several times, that, that this church was probably, out of all the churches that Paul wrote to, it, it, it excelled in, in the giftings of the Spirit. But this was a messed up bunch. You, you, you think we got issues... Yeah, if you go back and you read about it, and, and uh, at the time Pastor Sean shared with you, he shared about what, what, they, what they had. These guys had some real, real stuff going on. But yet they excelled in the gifts of the Spirit. How is that possible? How does that happen? So Paul said, you're, as, as a Corinthian church, he said, after he's explained the gifts to him, he's shown him, he said, you desire these gifts. You go after these gifts. You make sure you have them at work. Desire them. Have zeal for them. And then he says this, but even in your desiring them, I am going to show you a more excellent way. That word excellent means throwing beyond the point of the usual mark. It means throwing beyond what you were aiming at. It refers to a degree which exceeds extraordinarily a point or a, an implied or overt scale of extent. What it means is extraordinary, far more, much greater, to a greater degree, surpassing beyond measure utterly. So what Paul's saying is this. Earnestly desire these great gifts, but I'm going to show you a way that's going to let you go past them. I'm going to, I'm going to show you something that's going to shoot you past them. And so, I, I honestly, it, 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 I'm, I'll be honest with you. It's impossible to get through this whole chapter in four teachings. Can't do it. Not going to happen. So, just... Steal yourself for that. I, I honestly, I got to be honest yet. I got nowhere, I have no clue yet as to where the Lord wants to go through this, but I know in my spirit that this is where he wants us to go. So I'm just going to take some time this morning and, and we'll probably get through the first three verses this morning, and that's if we get through those. Paul said, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. One, one com uh, commentary I read said this, love is the test of one's speech. And for that matter, all of one's ministry and all the exercisings of one's spiritual gifts. Love is the test of one's speech. It is a test, and it is all that matters in a ministry. It's all that matters in the exercising of spiritual gifts. So I don't have to, some of this, you probably already know. Three types of love, huh? Phileo, what are they? Eros and Agape. What we're talking about here and what Paul's referring to is agape, which is God, God love. Again, no newsflash for anybody that's, you know that. 
But what the Lord started speaking to me about was what agape really is. Because I, I, I know you could all tell me, it's, 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 that's God's love. That's the love that God has. Well, what does that mean? What are you telling somebody when you tell them agape is, is God's love? What are you saying? Are they getting a clear picture of what agape is? Agape is a quality of love that is the essence of God. Agape is a quality of love that is the essence of God. It's all that is in accordance with his character and his nature. It is everything that is in accordance with the character and nature of God is agape, God love. Agape is what God is like. Agape love is, this is what God is like. 1 John 4.8 says this. This is from the Amplified. It says, the one who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him. Wow. He is the originator of love. It is an enduring attribute of his nature. So John, Paul, he, he kind of painted a real, a real flowery picture of what love is. You get into 1 John, and it becomes a blunt force instrument. It does. I mean, you, you get hit right between the eyes with, with, with a blunt instrument. Because 1 John says, okay, the, that's the flowery part of love, but this is the reality of what love is. This is the reality of it. Agape is what God shows the undeserving. And again, there's a scripture. If you go to uh, Romans 5, 8, it says this. But God demonstrated his own love toward us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think a lot of times we just, we look at that and it just kind of goes. I don't know about you, but I know what I was like when I was a sinner. I excelled. I excelled at what I did. You were to go to my hometown and you were, you were to ask uh, the people in that hometown about the three younger Dunn boys, and they, they, they would tell you, what a bunch of no goods. I've had guns pointed at me. I've had people threaten to kill me. I've been beat up. I beat up, believe it or not. <laughs> I knew how to sneak attack. <laughs> but see, what I'm saying is even in that, think about it, in the worst state that you were in, God still said 
That's something of worth. They're something of worth. I am going to redeem them. I am going to make them my own. I am going to create, and I have already created for them a destiny that they don't even see yet. And Paul went on and said in, in the book of 8th chapter of Romans, I believe, he said, there's nothing that can separate me from that love. Nothing can separate me from that love. Go back. Agapius, what God enables by us by the Holy Spirit. Agape is what God enables by Holy Spirit in the surrendered saint. Agape is what comes into us by the Holy Spirit in the surrendered saint. Now, we, we talk a lot about here about having the power and the resurrected power of Christ in us, don't we? We talk a lot about what God put in us. <laughs> but somehow, we tend to skip over the fact that he put his love in us just as well as all these other things. I know, I know, like I said, I didn't get out of the first verse, and I was thinking, hmm, I don't know if I want to keep going. Agape is identifying yourself with God's interest in other people. I'm going to say that again. Agape is identifying yourself with God's interest in other people. Agape does not rely on the world's criteria for love. What are we talking about? The world's criteria for expressing love is what? Attractiveness, emotion, sentimentality, physical attraction or contract. That's the, that's the, the, the world's criteria for expressing love. Agape doesn't even look at those things. Agape doesn't, thank God it doesn't go by what you look like because I'd be in trouble. Thank God it doesn't go by all these other things that the world sees. Because if you don't have these things, then love is not expressed. And you may be able to express the other two types of love, but you cannot express agape love by looking at all of these other things. Agape is self-sacrificial. Agape is self-sacrificial. It seeks the benefit of the one being loved. It seeks the benefit of the one being loved with no expectation of receiving anything in return. Agape is self-sacrificial. Agape seeks what is going to be beneficial for somebody else without ever thinking that I'm going to get anything in return for it. If I'm doing something, I was, <laughs> I was talking to somebody one time, and they were having an issue with somebody. And they said, well, I'm going to go to them and apologize. I said, that's good. And they said, maybe if I apologize, that will serve them. And I said, you might as well, you're wasting your breath, wasting your time. That's not what that's for. 
If you're going to repent to somebody for something, then you repent because you did something wrong. You don't repent thinking that because you're going to be able to, you don't have that, you're not that good. You're not. You don't have the ability in any way, shape, or form to change a life and a heart. You don't. Now, the power of God through you does. But just because you, that, that's goofy thinking, but it's the way we think sometimes. I, again, I, you probably never thought that way, but I have. But agape is self-sacrificing. The last, the last thing that agape is interested in satisfying is self. Agape is activated by a choice of the will. Agape is God loving through us. Oh, I'm telling you what, you, I, I, I'm going to challenge you to really stop and let this get into your heart. Because if it does, it's, you're, you're going to walk away. I, I'm not joking you. When I started in this, I had a woe is me moment. I had, I had an Isaiah moment because I thought, Lord, I'm the last one that should be sharing this. I'm the last one that should. I need to be out there taking notes. I'm the last one that should be sharing this because you know what? If you, if you do this, because this is what I did, when God began to show me this, I began to say, okay, Lord, I always thought I was pretty good at this. Show me where I'm not loving. Ooh. It didn't take very long. <laughs> and for some reason, I began to get irritated a lot more often than I thought I, was, I should have. I mean, seriously. I got a neighbor. We don't do too good together. And so I'm, I'm out mowing my lawn, and I'm, I'm praying, and I'm asking God, you got to show me if I'm not loving. And the next thing I'm thinking about is this guy. And I'm thinking, man, I hope he comes out and says something to me. I hope he comes out and says something that, that, that he shouldn't say. And so I'm talking out loud now to myself. I'm mowing my lawn, and I'm going, see, see, Lord, this is just what I was talking about. If anybody else would have heard me, they thought I was nuts. But you really want to find out whether or not, you, go ahead, I dare you. Ask the Lord, show me. Show me where I'm not loving. And you're going to come away thinking, ah, Agape cannot be manufactured in your flesh. You cannot manufacture this in your flesh. It has to be learned and developed in the spirit. It has to be learned. It has to be developed in you. If you try manufacturing this in the flesh, you're going to crash and burn like a plane. You are. Because inevitably, somebody's going to do something. Somebody's going to say something. Somebody's going to do something to you. And you're, you're going to go down in flames because you've tried to do this in your flesh instead of letting Holy Spirit develop this in you. Folks, this is something we learn. This is something that we have to be taught. 
We have to be taught through the word. We have to be taught through our communion with him and our fellowship with him. That's how we learn this. Lord, I haven't even gotten started. And this happens by denying your flesh daily. You deny your flesh the right or the authority to react to anything or anyone outside of the character of Christ. Ouch. Ouch. You do not give your flesh the right or the authority to react to anything or anyone outside of the character of Christ. This is tough stuff. It is. This is, this is stuff that when you want to go to the next level, see, we want to go to the next level, but this is how yeah. people have reacted, and, you, and you've heard people say it, and, and, and Pastor Abe, I think, even, even referenced it last week. What a great church this is. How much the people have come and how much, how much love there is in this church. Man, you know what? It's easy to stand and love somebody coming through the doors and show them love. It's, that's easy because you don't know them. And they don't know you. That's the easy part. You want to know when the rubber meets the road? When you start dealing with each other. When you start dealing with your family. When you start dealing with that person that constantly rubs you the wrong way at work. That's when this comes into contact. That's when you refuse your flesh the right or authority to act toward anybody outside of the character of Christ. Because it's spiritual development, I am denying myself the right to reject someone based on their behavior, their actions, their looks, or their attitude. I'm denying my flesh the right to reject somebody because of any reason. Because of spiritual development, it is an action that puts the flesh to death. Because the nature of our flesh is selfishness, self-will, and self-gratification. That's what we're made up of. Sorry. It's there. Agape does not always involve emotion. It doesn't. But it does always involve action. Agape may, always, may not always involve emotion. You may... <laughs> You may, have, you may not feel like loving somebody. Again, I know you, you're not that way, but I am. But agape always involves action. Specific actions that are revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will show you how you need to act and what you need to do in agape love. It may not be the same for, for everybody. You may be different things, doing, doing something different. Here's a biggie. Operations of the gifts of the Spirit should always be governed by the demonstration of the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to say it again. Operations of the... See, this is where the, the church in Corinth... 
was missing it. They, they, were, they, they, had, they were full of the gifts of, 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 of the Spirit. They had them in action. But they were not being governed by the fruit of the Spirit. And that's why Paul was having to write what he wrote. Here's another one. <laughs> like I said, I didn't get through the first verse. Agape is not a secretive, covert action. Agape is not a secret, covert action. It should be openly displayed to the person we are professing to love. It should be openly displayed to the person we are proclaiming to love. It is not activated unless the person we are proclaiming to love sees it in action. When agape is displayed, it will be noticed, it will be known. <laughs> the first thing I did when I started reading this is I started thinking of everybody else that needed to hear it. And then I remembered what Doug Jones says. He said, the minute you start thinking that way, that's the first indication that it's for you. <laughs> so I was thinking about this, and I'm, I'm already out of time. We're going to have to keep going next week, but I'll stop with this. Agape, I, when I said it's not a secretive covert action, it's not something that you just say in your heart, I'm going to love that person. I'm going to be spiritual and I'm going to love that person. And yet never do they see it in you. Never is there any indication to them that you love them and that you are showing that. What am I saying? What are you saying, Mark? I'm saying that just because you determine in your heart to love somebody, if it's truly the character and nature of Christ, they're going to see it. It's going to be acted out. You are going to show them that you love them. You're going to do something that they are going to recognize, wow, they really love me. Come on, like I said, this, this, is, where the, this is where it gets, <laughs> you start treading water a little bit. Because it's going to take you out of your flesh and it's going to put you into a place where the character of Christ is released through you. Like I said, it's easy to love. It's easy to love somebody coming through that door. It's easy to put a smile on your face and welcome. And I don't, I'm not saying that facetiously. You understand that. We genuinely mean that when somebody comes through that door. We want, but you know what, folks? We ought to be expressing that same love to the person that sits next to us, to the person that sits across from us. We ought to be able to express that love to that person who has done the meanest, ugliest thing to us that you could imagine. We still should be able to express that love to them, and they should know that we love them. Ouch. If it's not being displayed, 
All it is is a noisy distraction. If it's not being displayed, Paul said all it is is a noisy distraction. And I'll stop with this. In other words, you can move in spiritual giftings all you want. But the lack of love is so loud that it drowns out the best words of intent and spiritual insight. You cannot hear the speech of spirituality because the screeching sounds because of the screeching sounds of the lack of love. You cannot hear, they cannot hear the words that you are speaking because your lack of love is drowning out everything that you say. So go home and think about that this week. <laughs> no, I'm serious. But it, honestly, God help us. God help me. That's the only thing I could say when I was going through this is, oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. But you know what? I, I know this. That the more I put this into practice and the more I become conscious of this, it has started to transform the way I am. Now, trust me, trust me, trust me. I have a long, long ways to go with this because I'm just like the rest of you. But taking going to the next level of spirituality, the next level of spiritual maturity, how many times have we heard it said in this, even in this last year? The lack or the, the, the sign of spirituality is not how many gifts you can move in. The sign of spiritual maturity, the sign of spiritual maturity is how much you love and how you love. So that's what we're going to talk about. Oh, yay. But it's going to be good because it's going to mature us. It's going to take us, it's going to, folks, this is what's going to get us from this level as a church to this level as a church, is we're going to start operating in this, and, and uh, we're going to start moving in this, and hopefully this will help you. Father, thank you. Bless your word, Father. As hard as it is, bless it, and let it find root in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 